Hey, this is a Hakawati production. Hi, guys. Welcome to the show. My next guest co-founded a company that makes protein out of fly larvae for animal feed. They recently completed a Series A round of funding and raised over $11 million to scale up production at their Tunisian factory. It's called Next Protein, and it's at the forefront of a fast-growing industry, insect-based food. Joining us from the company's headquarters in Paris, please welcome Serene Shalala. Hi, Serene. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. So first of all, I'm really curious, when you first meet people like in a casual setting, how do you tell people what you do? Do you say like, I'm a fly breeder? Um, I basically tell them that I'm a farmer. I'm a farmer and I, yeah, that's that's what it is. I'm a farmer and I breed insects. <laughs> that's so cool. So, and do people get grossed out when you tell them that? Do they make faces? They do. People really, uh, they don't understand what it is that I'm doing, why it is that I'm doing it. And yeah, they do get grossed out. But then when I start explaining to them how natural it is, it just all makes sense to everyone. Yeah. It's funny, though, how people get so grossed out by insects. And it's so weird because they're kind of cool and they're so small and people are just like terrified of tiny little flies. Um, it's really a weird phenomenon. So your company, Next Protein, produces protein using only the black soldier fly, the larva of that fly, which is basically, from what I understand, the immature stage of the fly's growth before it becomes an actual fly, kind of like a caterpillar for the butterfly. Is that accurate? Uh, sort of, but yes, that is the part that we use to make the protein, but also we have another product, which is an oil also used for animal feed. Is that made from a different stage of the fly's life? No, that's the, the amazing thing about our insect is that there's nothing that is wasted. We use the entire uh, larva to produce all of our products. And then we, uh, on top of that, we have a fertilizer, uh, which is, you know, made of the insect frass. Uh, and so in our processing cycle, there is nothing that is wasted. Everything is reused. What's insect frass? Uh, basically, they're dejections. Is that, is that a word? They're poop. <laughs> oh, that's a, yeah. I've never heard it put that way. It's very elegant. Dejections. <laughs> I'm going to the bathroom to deject. <laughs> so, yes. I think it's a Latin word. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I'm one word smarter today. So you do pr produce like oil that I guess is used also in food products for um, animal feed and fertilizer. But it's really the animal feed that's kind of getting everyone's attention, I guess, because it's the most kind of um, direct translation of the insect into, you know, another creature's stomach. So mm -hmm. what kind of animals are eating this? Who are your customers for this fly larva protein? Right. So to give you just a bit of an overview today, uh, you know, the animal feed market, uh, whether to, it is to feed the, you know, fish or the poultry or the pigs, uh, you know, what's used as a source of protein, which is basically, you know, 50% of the final product that is given to the animals is 50% of it is protein. And uh, usually it's either, you know, fish meal or soya bean meal. Okay, and those two things, I mean, we know we're all much more aware of what's going on around the world with the resources depleting. And uh, and so, uh, you know, if you're feeding fish with fish meal, it means that, you know, you're uh, the wild 
fish that you're catching from the oceans is what you're using to feed them. And most of actually the, the fish that is caught in the oceans is used to feed these fish. So what we're proposing here is an alternative to that, because number one, we know the resources are depleting, but also uh, and we're all, we also know that fish naturally eat insects. And so if you're giving insects to these fish, they're much healthier. And at the end of the day, with a much healthier animal, then you you know you have to use less you know antibiotics, et cetera. And at the end of the food chain, you know us, the consumer, the final consumer, then we're eating just a healthier animal. So today, the markets that are open to using insect protein are uh, the aquaculture market in the EU. And then, you know, hopefully in the next few months, we're going to be able to use uh, our products in poultry and pigs. And those are much, much bigger markets. So is it cost effective for the fish farmers to use this as opposed to buying the, the fish feed or whatever it's called? Mm-hmm. Fish meal, yeah. Fish meal. <laughs> right. Well, you know, as a resource becomes more scarce, then systematically, automatically the prices go up, right? Um, so the the number one, the cost of production is our biggest challenge, whether whether for us as Next Protein, but also for all of the actors in our industry. Uh, because at the end of the day, what we're trying to uh, counter or, you know, uh, offer an alternative to is a commodity. You know, in commodities, we talk about very large quantities. Um, uh, and and that's what we're trying to, um, to kind of complete. So if, um, you know, that's the challenge with it because it's something that's new and so nobody's ever done it. So the business model, uh, the initial business model is really something that you have to base yourself to work on to ensure uh, that cost effectiveness and cost competitiveness. Because with anything new that you pro- that you introduce into a market, at the end of the day, if it's not cost effective, then it's not going to have the impact that you you're wanting it to have. Yeah. And I guess with time, usually the prices of things like this will decrease as you increase production, right? Exactly. Yeah. As you increase production, as you, you know, improve, uh, as you improve the, the, the production techniques uh, and optimize them. Because again, you know, since this is a new industry, we're talking about an industry starting from scratch. And that means, you know, that on the market, it's not like they were uh, insect processing, processing machines uh, or anything like that. Nothing existed on the market. So we really had to start from uh, developing these machines in a cost-effective manner. So... We know that eventually it'll probably be cost effective or it is becoming cost effective. But we also know that demand for farmed fish is growing, obviously, mm-hmm. which is one of the main, you know, attractive factors of this as we uh, go into this uh, next century or mm-hmm. millennium. Um, the demand for farmed fish is growing 8% of ye- a year. Um, yeah. So your innovation really plays a vital role or this kind of innovation, a vital role in reducing uh, the impact on agriculture and the oceans, uh, which is you know important to a lot of people and, and just sustainable and makes sense in the long run. But you have some other yeah. interesting facts on your website, like, uh, for example, to feed everyone on the planet by 2050, we need to increase our food production by 70%. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Yeah. And 
that that is huge and let me tell you you know you're talking about you know how we we there's an urgency really to find this alternative to the use of fish meal because you know by 2025 which is basically tomorrow there's going to be like a 6 million ton gap to fill uh, and it's and we're talking about you know uh, the reality of the fact that in the oceans that quantity doesn't exist so we have to find this alternative uh, because the growing the populations are growing but also they're having um uh, you know in africa uh, just in africa like population will double people are economically becoming more able so they're going to want to consume more so really we have that gap to fill urgently so could insect protein potentially also be a food source for humans is that something you've thought about yeah, completely. Even when we started out, you know, developing the idea, really, uh, our objective was to have a maximum impact. And today, like you mentioned, just at the beginning of this conversation, people are still kind of grossed out by insects and they're so they're still not familiar with them, uh, especially, you know, in the northern part of the world, because as we know, a lot of uh, cultures consume insects on a daily on a daily basis. Uh, but the fact is, when we started researching um, the um, this project and kind of uh, looking into having this impact on, you know, a growing population, so food security, on um, the environmental impact of growing um, food, but also, you know, food waste. That's a huge problem that we're having to deal with today. Uh, you know, one third of global food production is wasted. And researching it, First of all, of course, the choice of insect was important for us because it didn't make sense for us to choose an insect that we would have to grow food for it and feed it and take it away from humans. And so that's how we ended up on the black soldier fly, which is a, an insect that, first of all, is beneficial um, versus, you know, an, an invader. It doesn't harm uh, the environment. Uh, and then, you know, it's able to consume a very flexible food intake, which means you can give it pretty much anything and it will consume it. Of course, you know, this is a very regulated sector because at the end of the day, there's humans consuming the final well, kind of indirectly consuming the final product. So we're only allowed to give a certain uh, type of intake to to give to the insects. But basically, we're providing solutions to really, really important societal problems and lowering the carbon footprint uh, of food production. Have you actually like tasted your product? Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> what does it taste like? I would imagine it tastes not like much. It looks like it would just taste like dirt or... Am I right? No, not no? at all. It's actually it's very, it's quite tasty. It tastes kind of like peanuts. You know, uh, after we, we there's a, one one step there that we have to dry the insects before processing them. Uh, and so sometimes we give it a little taste just to make sure they're correctly dried. <laughs> Crispy flies, yummy. <laughs> no, they're actually really, they're not bad at all. And, uh, you know, I've, I've consumed many t different types of insects. They're very, you know, one, I think once you get over kind of the creepy factor of it, of if you see the whole insect, then if you don't think about it, the taste is pretty, it's pretty good. I always think about it, like when you get grossed out, you, you ask yourself, is it really any less gross to eat like a cow's thigh? Not really. Right. Not really. <laughs> so, no, at all. It's not really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's all a matter of perspective, I guess. So, um, and I think if they sold it, the, the, the thing they'd have to do is just like make it unrecognizable, both in the way it looks and then also the name. You know, I know they already do that. Sometimes they, they grow stuff in labs and they don't really, the name doesn't mm -hmm. really give you a clue as to where it came from. So that's probably uh, one way that it could be marketed uh, in a, yeah. you know, 
people-friendly, society-friendly way. But um, so you mentioned you came up with the idea in Madagascar. Uh, you used to work with the UN's Food and Agriculture Organization, which works to defeat hunger around the world. Um, mm -hmm. And you, you mentioned in, you know, some of the material that you've written that, you know, there's hunger and a lot of it is a result of climate change, which is something that you're helping with with this project. Um, mm -hmm. So you co-founded Next Protein with your husband or partner, Mohamed uh, Gasly. Yes, my husband, yes. <laughs> yes, okay. Who happens to be a chemical engineer and also a Grammy-nominated uh, jazz album producer, which is an interesting yes. fact. He's a busy guy. Um, so uh, tell me how you came up with the idea. Really, you know, at some point, I think in life, you 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 kind of you reach a moment where the status quo is just unacceptable. Uh, you know, working the UN, uh, I was really specialized in like uh, you know emergency operations. So I would be sent to to countries where uh, natural disasters happened, um, and and seeing just the result of that, and and really the direct impact of what climate change is doing to already populations that are already so vulnerable, then you just, you, at some point, you just can't not do anything about it. And, you know, that's part of the work that I was doing with the UN. But on the other side, on the flip side, or on the other side of the coin, uh, you know, as a woman, as a professional, you know, we always have to kind of um, choose, really. It's either your career or your family life, or, uh, and that's already a challenge in itself. And I decided that, you know, that's not going to work for me. And, uh, you know, being in the field a lot, it wasn't really compatible with the fact that I was married. So Mohammed and I kind of decided together that we would really have to find a project that we would do together that would allow us, you know, to work together uh, and to, to meet our professional ambitions, but also, you know, allow us to start a family and, and do, you know, the normal life things. From that, a combination of those things, of both those things, really kind of pushed us in a direction of doing something like that, that would have a, a global impact. And then it just so happened that when, when I was in Madagascar, the Food and Agriculture Organization, which, uh, as you mentioned, I worked with, released a report on like the beneficial uh, use of insects in food and feed. And it was like kind of a message, I don't know, sent from from heaven, you know, it, it was kind of, it, it, it just kind of hit us and it really, you know, kind of um, pushed us in that direction. And the more we read about it, the more we, we searched um, uh, about it. Uh, first, we found out that it had never been done. And so <laughs> there was nothing to base ourselves on. That's the first thing. Uh, but then we really understood the true potential of this kind of business. And so, you know, that obviously that didn't it didn't stop us. The fact that we don't know anything, we didn't know anything about uh, insects. We just worked hard. We were we continue to work hard. And, you know, today we, we may be considered one of the top five players in the world and experts in the field. So. I think what I'm trying to say, I mean, I, I always try to kind of convey this message that sometimes, you know, there's the fear of the unknown. First of all, first of all, leaving a job in the UN, like who does that? <laughs> uh, that's the one thing. And then, you know, just throwing yourself in something that you're not sure of. But I think when you truly do your homework and work hard, you can, you know, get somewhere. And And again, you know, Uh, we're still at the beginning. There's so much that we still have to learn, whether it be us as Next Protein, but also, you know, just the industry in general. But there's one thing that's for sure is that this is the right path and this is the way to go. 
I love that you say it was like a message from heaven, you know, but the fact that other people, you know, saw the same message and didn't really receive it. And you were just the right people to kind of take that message and, and do something that's actually, you know, perfect for you guys and perfect for, for this time uh, in our history. So you, this wasn't back in 2015 and you just recently raised over $11 million dollars um, to scale the company up. So what is your plan? How do you intend to scale the company? And, and can you tell me a little bit also about how, um, how your farm works and describe it to me? Okay. Um, so yes, we did. We just finally raised our Series A round, which, by the way, ended up happening during the Corona, you know, lockdown, which was a very high stress moment for us. Uh, but we're we're very happy that we uh, had the continued support of our uh, investors. Um, so in the industry in general, in industries in general, we call it year zero. Uh, year zero is pretty much like a, in a in an industry the year where you know players are going to position themselves in terms of capacity and te technological advancement and really start developing the business and becoming um, profitable. Uh, so that's going to be 2021. I think it should have probably been 2020, but with everything that's going on, everything kind of shifted. But uh, 2021 is really going to be an important year for for uh, the sector. And, you know, with this fundraising, we're really uh, looking to scale up because as I mentioned before, you know, we're trying to be players in the commodities market. And who said someone that talks about commodities talks about large, large quantities for that. It's a, there needs to be a lot of investment. It means you have to grow your production site. You know, today we, to give you a bit of an overview of our production site. We're today uh, on a 3,000 square meter uh, production site with a team of 20 people. But in the next, you know, five years, we're looking to open up a second production site. We're actually already starting uh, working on the, on the second production site with an objective to produce 100,000 tons per year by 2025. And, you know, that's like 10% of the protein uh, market. So really with this, this new round, we're just looking into reinforcing our team And uh, when you talk about a new sector, of course, you have to talk about the investment that you make in R&D, which is research and development. We're not joking around, you know, we're feeding animals. So we have to be respectful of that, of the animal's health and of nature. But also at the end, the end consumer is going to be a human. So it's very, again, it's very strict and regulated and we have to be safe. That's very important. That That's what we're going to do. We're going to grow the team. We're going to build a second factory and, you know, scale up our production. And what has the process been like for you as a founder of a startup? Um, what can I say? <laughs> Meaning what I mean is, uh, yeah. you know, that's been five years. Yeah. Is this when what, when was the moment when you knew that it was going to take off and that this was going to be an idea that was going to work? Honestly, I have to say um, it was really at the beginning. You know, when you have an idea, it's really important to surround yourself by the right people who have the right energy and the right, you know, that encourage you in your vision. There's going to be a lot of naysayers and haters and, and people who are going to think you're crazy, but then you just need that one person. And for us, I think, you know, From day one, when we were still in my parents' garage with like an Ikea tent and uh, like a plastic bucket and my mom's kitchen waste and a couple of flies, 
uh, we had the visit of a business angel who, whose name is uh, Cyril Grillin, uh, who happens to be um, French Tunisian, and he came to visit us. And he, and this guy, you know, he's he's a big deal. He's one of the largest business angels uh, in, in France. Uh, he's a really big deal. So first of all, the fact that he took the time to come meet with us because that's already uh, huge in itself. And then he came to visit what it is that we do. That's a second thing that's huge. And you know, when you have somebody like that that's uh, so respected and and that that really is successful in what he does, believe in you, it's really a huge, huge motor. Um, and so I think that's one of the things that, you know, really from the beginning, that kind of encouraged us in continuing. And then, you know, you know, being an entrepreneur is uh, very hard. Being a married couple, uh, entrepreneur is very hard. Uh, and doing something that's never been done is extremely hard. But at the end of the day, if you have your clear vision of what it is that you want to do, and for us, it's really just disrupting the way things are done because we it's unacceptable the way things are done. And we can't leave this planet toward the future generations in this state. And so, you know, on the down, day, on the down days, really the I know it sounds kind of uh, naive or euphoric or what, you know, it can sound artificial, but really, no, that's really what it is that drives us every day. The fact that we know this is the right path. We know this is the way to contribute in a positive manner to the planet and that we just uh, do not accept the way things are. So we know this is a growing market, uh, obviously, and it's in its nascent phase. Um insect protein and insect-based uh, food and uh, fertilizer for the industry. So if someone wanted to pivot their farm production, uh, for instance, would you say this is like a good business for people to get into now from your perspective? Um, you know, you're based in Europe, but you see uh, all around the world what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it is a, a good business uh, to to get into because it takes time to uh, achieve the different milestones. You know, raising insects in uh, a lab and then in 300 square meters and then 3,000 square meters and 10,000 square meters, it's a completely different thing. So it takes time to learn the biology of the insect. It takes time to really understand how to feed it in an optimal manner, how to keep the insects healthy. You know, it's a lot, a lot of hard work. But by 2025, you know, we're going to need more players <laughs> to, to contribute. Because again, today, whether it be us, but other players in the industry, no one is really able to produce the required quantities uh, because it takes time. So, you know, the more players we have that are, you know, really you know, it's important for them to be very productive, but also very regulated because again, the safety is very important. And, you know, we won't, we don't, it's important to have in a, in an industry, not to have people who are not respecting the rules because then it could, you know, ruin, tarnish the reputation of the sector. So if, you know, there's associations, there's, you know, there's scientific uh, papers that one can read, there's uh, joint ventures that can be done. Uh, but, w- you know, it's very important that we grow um, because that's really a way for us to all survive and be productive and contribute to the well-being of the planet. Yeah. And and from a business perspective, if you're talking about a commodities market, it's, uh, you know, going to be a massive uh, yeah. industry. And it's great that, as you said, it contributes to the future of the planet and, and humans. Um, I just want to backpedal just a little bit. 
can you explain how how you raise the flies? Like, what are they eating? Are they are you keeping them like in a jar in a big cage? <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying yeah. to imagine here what to what visualize. it looks like. <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically, the flies, um, you know, at, at at a stage where they're a fly, they don't eat. All they do is consume water. So that we give them something to hydrate and they reproduce. That's all that they do. Then, of course, you know, they're in cages. They're in a separate area because we have to make sure they're, you know, protected and healthy. And also because, you know, they require uh, a lot of parameters in place. They require special um, special lighting, temperature, humidity, uh, you know, all of that. We can even sometimes we play music for them. You know, it's very <laughs> it's it's very important that they're that they're doing well. Uh, and then. From that area, we collect the eggs. Every day we harvest eggs, which is, you know, something that's completely different from other traditional sources of protein because, uh, you know, if you compare it to soya bean meals, for example, you know, uh, a farmer uh, is going to uh, maybe harvest once or twice a year uh, if, you know, the weather permits because maybe that year the weather was bad. But us, we really, we can harvest every single day. So we do that. And then, you know, like a, like in a poultry farm, you know, we take the eggs and we take them into what we call the incubator, which is the nursery. Uh, we take care of those eggs. We wait till they hatch. And then once they reach a certain stage, uh, we move them into uh, what we call the fattening area, which is where we fe actually feed them. And you know, we're, I was talking before about, you know, uh, contributing to um, food waste problems. Uh, what we give them is actually, you know, uh, fruits and vegetables, which for today is the only uh, in input that we can give them that's um, uh, authorized by the EU. Uh, but things that would otherwise end up in landfills. So in another part of the of the production site, that's where we receive the fruits and vegetables that are wasted. So unsold fruits and vegetables, uh, ones that didn't look that nice, or uh, you know, you know how how we waste food a lot. <laughs> um, and so we get those. We prepare a special kind of recipe uh, that we optimized uh, again because we're. We're really dependent on seasonal fruits and vegetables. So every season it changes. So we have to find the perfect recipe to feed the insects so that, so that they grow in a healthy and optimal manner. And then once those larvae reach a certain stage that we deem appropriate, 95% of them continue on to the processing area, which is where... Uh, the first step is the separation between the larva and the frass. You know, I was telling you about the fertilizer, and that's the fertilizer. The frass is the fertilizer. Fly poop. Yes, yes, that's it. <laughs> I mean, it's fly poop mixed with, you know, some residue of what they ate as well. And then 5% are reintroduced into the cages to repopulate the, the colony. So those 90% that we take, we separate them, and then we have to dry them, of course, and they go through the pressing machine, which is where we press them and we, uh, on one side we get the oil and on the other side we get the fertilizer. Fascinating, really fascinating. Do you get the fruits and vegetables for free or do you have to pay for those? I'm just wondering. Well, we, we cover logistics for them because, you know, at the end of the day, what we're doing, because, you know, when we decided to, to implement in Tunisia, but also to open up this production site, uh, strategically, it was very important for us to be in, in, in an agricultural area uh, because we have access to the agriculture 
manufacturers, the farmers, basically. So, you know, farmers, for example, when they produce uh, whatever it is that they produce, a big amount uh, of their production is wasted. It's uh, unsold. It's excess production. And what they do with it is usually they end up you know, putting it on their land and then it decomposes and then they mix it with the with the land. And that's really bad because, first of all, you know, decomposing matter, um, you know, attracts a lot of pests and flies and insects and that you don't want on your land. But also, you know, it has a carbon footprint that's not positive. And then it, it kind of degrades the quality of the land. So really, first of all, we get it from them and we, we're really kind of doing them a favor because otherwise for them it's a cost to get rid of it. And then in Tunisia, I'm, I'm sure this exists in other parts of the world, a lot of excess production is conserved in fridges. So there's companies that have fridges and, and they have them there for different types of uses. And we get it from them. We buy it from them and we also help them get rid of it. So it was very important for us to be near those because, again, um, it didn't make sense for us to be bringing some some waste from other parts of the world or, you know, then it would have to travel around the world. And that makes no sense. Definitely. Definitely. I love that you're like cooking meals for the flies and playing <laughs> music for them. That's so cute, by the way. Um, so what's what's a fly's favorite produce? Um, I mean, what's their no, there, there's no favorite produce. They'll they'll eat pretty much anything. And that's the advantage uh, of this insect is that really it it likes everything. So this black soldier fly, is that the same fly that like I see in my kitchen sometimes? Is that the typical house fly that we see? No, no, no. It's a different uh, type of fly. That's like you said, it's the house fly. And this is the black soldier fly. It's a slightly bigger. It's not attracted by, you know, it's not a fly that's going to come and, uh, and you know, sit on your shoulder or on your plate or anything. It's not attracted by anything. Like I said, it doesn't eat as a, as a, uh, at the fly state. It only drinks. So it, And it's much bigger and heavier, so it doesn't fly around. It's not as annoying as the house fly. <laughs> okay, okay, good to know. So this is a bit of a weird existential question, but you know how people say that they love um, all creatures and they wouldn't even kill a fly? Do you ever have any qualms about killing all these flies? Yeah, no, that's a really good question that, that comes up quite often, you know. Um, you know, it's important to understand that we are animal feed producers. We're an industry. We're very, you know, regulated. We have to have uh, a lot of uh, authorizations to do what it is that we do. And there are manuals for this kind of thing. There's rules and regulations that you have to apply on how it is that you uh, kill the insects, for example. You know, in addition to that, you know, the there's not much scientific literature on the black soldier flies, you know, biology or whatever. But, you know, we do a lot of research on it. And, you know, it's not really, it doesn't have a nervous system that's very developed. So it's, it's kind of, like you said, it's an existential question. I mean, at the end of the day, if we're going to be eating fish and, and chicken, Um, then, you know, it's kind of the, the same thing. <laughs> so are you planning on expanding to other insects in the future or are these like the, the golden egg? I mean, this is the golden egg for sure. Uh, but we're definitely looking into different types of insects. You know, right now we're really focused on the black soldier fly because just becoming experts in that in itself is already uh, a challenge and an achievement uh, when we get there. Uh, but we're definitely looking into other insects Um, but it's not our priority right now. Okay, well, this conversation gives a whole new meaning to there's a fly in my food. 
uh, sentence. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard that one before, right? For sure. <laughs> I wonder if that happens at your at your house when you're like at the facility and having lunch. Like, do they escape <laughs> no, sometimes? It's, it's, No, they, they, I mean, maybe you could find one on my shirt or something, but really it, it wouldn't even be attracted to, uh, to my plate. <laughs> okay. Good to know. So thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been really fascinating. Um, and best of luck with everything. Thank you so much, Nadia. Thank you for having me. That's it. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to hit that subscribe button and follow us on social media. And check out TMR's beautiful merchandise on our website, themensroom.show. We've teamed up with some of the most talented Lebanese designers to bring you some useful and stylish accessories. Check it out and see you next time.